It's good to see you all here. We're going to pick back up in John chapter 18, the passage that Matt just read. Um, But before we get into that, I would like to finish up uh, a little bit on what we talked about last week and some of the reasons why uh, the arrest and trial and conviction of Christ was illegal in, in many ways. <clears throat> um, and I, I've already went through most of these, and I think there's just two or three more that I wanted to point out, but I wanted to make sure we had the, the whole picture here. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure if I uh, covered this part, the very end of the last statement, but um, a sentence of death according to Jewish law could only be passed in a legal court and not in a private home, as did occur here in the home of uh, Caiaphas. All right, so uh, next was uh, is the fact that most of the members of the Sanhedrin council court uh, Uh, they themselves were legally disqualified. They were not qualified themselves to actually have a trial or conduct a trial uh, to try Jesus. Um, First off, the men such as Caiaphas, Eleazar, Jonathan, Theophilus, Matthias, Ishmael, Simon, John, Alexander, and Ananias were, um, according to Josephus, uh, who was a uh, Jewish historian. Um, So this is not coming from Scripture. This is a historical account. But according to him, uh, these men were recipients of bribes and appointed by members of the family who themselves had no right to sit on the Sanhedrin Council. Uh, So basically, they bought their offices and were disrespected by their own people. So the Jewish people, uh, it appears, knew, you know, how these men got into office, and obviously uh, the people did not respect Uh, or some of those on the Sanhedrin. We can't completely say that uh, all the members were disrespected, but definitely those I mentioned were not respected by their own people. There were 12 ex-high priests, in other words, former high priests, living at this particular moment in time of Jesus' arrest, and trial, and all of them were part of the Sanhedrin. Uh, and the Bible expressly requires that a man serving as a high priest to remain in that office until his death, which had not occurred. Uh, Caiaphas being an example. Um, but under the Romans, high priests could replay, be replaced on a yearly basis. So this whole arrangement was completely 
you know, out of whack. Um, according to Samuel Mendelssohn, he writes that, um, and this is a, a Jewish law, uh, that states, nor must there be on the judicial bench either a relation or a particular friend or an enemy of either the accused or the accuser. So there's a, a violation of law, Jewish law. Uh, many, if not, I would say most of the judges were enemies of Christ, and they proved that. Uh, and they even paid bribe money to have him betrayed. <clears throat> and uh, he, uh, Philip Berger Benny writes uh, another law that stated, nor under any circumstances was a man known to be at enmity with the accused person permitted to occupy a position among his judges. So everybody knew that the Sadducees and Pharisees hated Jesus. That was no secret. Uh, Yet they permitted them uh, to try him. And then finally, uh, the the charges that were brought against Jesus, which was blasphemy, uh, were actually changed when they took him to Pilate. They changed the charge from blasphemy to treason. Blasphemy was violation of Jewish law, which was punishable by the Jews by stoning. That was the corporal punishment for blasphemy, was stoning. And that was something the Jews could carry out on their own without Roman interference or Roman approval. This was the, a religious thing. However, the timing, it being the Passover, the, the day before and including the day of the Passover, the Jews were not legally, uh, according to the law, allowed to do this. So this brings up the question, why were they worried about this rule, this law, when they were not worried about all the others that I've mentioned previously. And then another question is, they knew, you know, it was the day before, and they were not going to be able to do this, so why did they even carry this out? Why not wait till after the Passover? And then they could have just done it without any Roman interference. I mean, these are just questions I have that will probably always go unanswered. That's just some some thoughts I've had. You know, they're worried about, they pick out a few of these laws, and they don't want to violate these laws, but on the other hand, these other ones, they're, you know, it's just like, just like people do today with the Bible. They, they, you know, have the cafeteria mentality. They pick what they want that fits into their lives and then they leave the rest alone and ignore them. So that's basically what's happening. So uh, they changed the charges from blasphemy to treason uh, to make, and and what this did was bring in the Roman government, Roman laws, 
And they were just basically let the Romans take over, you know, and try to just let them do it. They forgot God's laws are not negotiable. That's right. Nor his plans. So, uh, so they they led after they left the house. They had their illegal trial and conviction. They led him to Pilate, who was a governor of that territory. <clears throat> um, so we read in John that they led him from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, which was the Roman Hall of Judgment. Uh, and it was early that morning, uh, but they did not go into the praetorium because it, according to Jewish law, uh, it would defile them. So they had to wait outside the mob and, and the, you know, the, the, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, Sadducees. They had to wait outside because they were not allowed to go in there at that time because of the Passover. So Pilate went out to meet them and um, asked, what are the accusations you bring before uh, or against this man? And they said, uh, if he was not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. And then they tell him to judge him according to your own law. So judge him according to what the Roman law, uh, what is written in Roman law. Uh, and then they cried out, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. So why wasn't it law, uh, lawful? And uh, according to Luke, in Luke 23, 2, um, Luke 23.2 states that uh, we found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is a king. So now, you know, they're saying they're giving Pilate a reason to try him under Roman law because he is not following Roman law by paying, paying his taxes. Um, and of course in Matthew twenty-two twenty-one, uh, you know he says render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's in reference to taxes so he's basically saying as Christians we are to pay taxes um, so the Jewish leaders ended up not charging him with blasphemy before Pilate had they done so, Pilate would have told them not to bother him, but to deal with Jesus according to their own law by stoning him. Um, the, the religious leaders were afraid of their people or the mob because Jesus was popular among the common people. He was very popular, so they come up with these new charges um, and took him to Pilate. Uh, and charged him with treason. So now Pilate obviously had reason to be concerned, and <clears throat> uh, the Jewish authorities 
or the Jewish priests, the Sanhedrin did not have authority to try Christ under this new accusation of, you know, basically tax evasion because this was a Roman law and it had to be dealt with by the Roman government and now Pilate took him in and questioned him, are you the king of Jews? Um, and Christ answered, um, are you speaking of yourself, for yourself about this or did other tell, others tell you about this concerning me? And Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? And then uh, he answers, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. So um, Pilate, he... He found, we all know that Pilate found no fault in him and basically offered up Barnabas saying, look, you can take this man who is legitimately convicted of robbery or he's a thief or you can choose Christ and let one of them go. And so they chose to let Barnabas go and crucify Christ and at this point the mob was getting very unruly and Pilate was actually getting uh, fearful for his own life I mean he was it was that um, you know they were that crazy I guess you could say they were that obsessed with actually uh, killing Christ at this point uh, and they yelled out in verse 12 that if you let this man go, you were not Caesar's friend. So now they were threatening Caesar. Um, <clears throat> and so Pilate just basically washed his hands and said, I'm done of this or done with this. And even Pilate's wife, according to Matthew 27, 19, said, uh, told Pilate, have nothing to do with this just man for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. Uh, So uh, that's when Pilate said, I'm done, he's yours, do what you want to. And it was legal, therefore it was legal under Roman law and justified in, in, in that sense. So, any questions or comments so far? All right, well, let's look into chapter 18 and verses 1 and 2. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the uh, brook Kidron, where there was a garden into, into which he entered, and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him... <clears throat> knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. And different <clears throat> versions, different translations, uh, this is the King James I'm reading here, uh, speaks of uh, a brook, refers to it as the brook Kidron, 
uh, it was not actually, you know, and when we hear the, the term brook, we think of a stream or, you know, a creek. Uh, it was actually more of a ravine that, you know, it, it did not have flowing water, except, you know, maybe in the winter, during the wet times, um, you know, there would be flowing water, but under these conditions at this period, it wouldn't actually not have had water in it. So um, <clears throat> they, it picks up here in chapter 18, uh, they have ended supper uh, and they left the safety of the upper room and it would be normal for Jesus to leave the city and cross this valley. Um, it was not extremely steep or deep or long. It, would, it says here that it was about, about a mile and a half. And they were on their road uh, or on their way back to Bethany, which is where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived. And that's who he stayed with. <clears throat> and Jesus normally stayed there when he was in Jerusalem. So there's nothing out of the ordinary here. He's <clears throat> doing what he always does, you know, typical. Uh, the Garden of Gethsemane was uh, a place where travelers stopped to rest before pushing on the <clears throat> final mile to Jerusalem. And you could actually see the holy city from the garden. So far, it would be normal uh, for, the, for Jesus and the apostles to stop and rest at this halfway point. And this is one reason why Judas knew where he would be, most likely. <clears throat> All right, let's push on verses uh, 3. Let's go 3 through, we'll go 3 through 9. And then Jesus then receiving a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus therefore knowing all things that should come upon him went forth and said unto them, Who seek ye? In other words, who are you looking for? <clears throat> and then they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am he. And Judas, Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked, uh, he then asked them again, Whom seek ye? Who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way, that the, that the saying might be fulfilled which, which he spake of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. <clears throat> okay, it says Judas uh, went, he was kind of, I don't know, he was with this group of soldiers and, and, and priests uh, that went to get uh, Jesus and uh, take him back so that they could try him. But 
it's, it's kind of funny to note that John does not give any details concerning Jesus' prayers and dialogue with the apostles in the garden. Uh, but these are, are definitely well covered in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, so John is, is basically giving a condensed version of what actually happened uh, in simplest terms of you know his betrayal and arrest. Judas was accompanied by a mix of Roman soldiers and temple security guards and went to the garden knowing he would find Jesus there. I have read that, you know, it's quite possible that they went to the upper room uh, first, but he had already left en route back to Bethany. And since he wasn't there... uh, they knew he'd probably be taking a break, taking a rest there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And let me find my notes also uh, in regards to <clears throat> the band of soldiers. And I went over this last week a little bit, uh, but just to refresh your memory, the word actually means cohort. And uh, it indicates a contingency of several hundred men. So it could have been anywhere from 300 to 600 men in this cohort. However, it's suspected that it wasn't quite the full number. So, but it was a couple hundred at least. So it sounds to me like they, they were expecting trouble and perhaps even maybe they expected they were going to have to search for him, that he may go on the run or try to hide, and that they were going to search. Uh, Another indication of this is the fact that they carried lanterns with them, and it would have been a a full moon, assuming there's no, you know, clouds during, you know, that night. It would have been full moon, so they had, you know, uh, enough light from the moon to see where they were going, but they carried torches uh, just in case they had to search. The The Garden of Gethsemane was more of like what we would call today an orchard, you know, uh, a grove of trees. So they thought they might have to go in there where it would be darker and search for him and bring him out. Uh, But these soldiers were of the Roman military uh, that were stationed there in Jerusalem. And the Roman, as if you, you know, studied anything about the Roman Empire, you know, it's, it's a lot like, um, I guess you could say, in some respects, the, the United States, you know, where we have special interests, you, know, we'll, you know, we have these... Uh, I guess you could call them satellite military bases like in Okinawa or Germany, England, wherever. You know, same here. They had uh, troops stationed or a lot of troops stationed there in Rome uh, as well as all throughout the empire. So, okay, uh, next little piece I want to touch on is the fact, and we 
also talked about this last week. Um, but when he spoke, well, first in, 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 in verse 5, at the end of verse 4 where he says, uh, whom, whom seek ye, or who are you looking for? And as soon as uh, Christ answered, or, and they asked, uh, or they answered Christ by saying, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Okay? By saying, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, this is showing disrespect. Or, you know, they, they don't want to say, we're looking for Jesus the Christ, or, you know, whatever. They're referring to him as just an ordinary, normal man. They don't want to portray it as something or him as someone of authority or having any kind of power. They're just saying, we're looking for, you know, Joe Smith, just an average name. That's basically, when, when they say Jesus of Nazareth, that's what that's meaning. So just kind of his normal, everyday name that makes him just one of the common people and not someone special. And so when he did answer and said, uh, you know, it's, you know, I am he, uh, as soon as they said that, they went backward and fell to the ground. So they, if you read any commentaries, uh, the one, the couple I've read, this was somewhat a show of power. Not necessarily that he had to, it just kind of happened. Um, it's dark, you know, you got the, you know, probably the full moon and then these lanterns and shadows and he steps forth and says, you know, I am he. And was probably a little bit closer than those guards at the front wanted him to be because I think they, I think they knew what he could do. They, they had to have, or they wouldn't, they wouldn't have sent that many people with that many, and not just normal people, soldiers with swords, you know, weapons and everything. But it startled them, uh, the ones up front, and so they kind of jumped back, you know, you know, got startled, and then fell down, just kind of tripped and fell over each other. <clears throat> so let's see I've lost my train of thought now any questions or comments while I get back on track Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just the Sunday before that that Christ has made the triumphal entry and all the people that are yes. palm branches down and you know, just gave him all those accolades. And uh, I believe that might have some bearing on why the chief priest and all the parents even want to do this at night. They knew how the common people felt about it. That's a good point. They've just seen that on Sunday and then they're doing this at night. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they were, they were, I think they were trying to keep it secret. Because, like, like, like you said, Brother Paul, as well as going back to all the laws that they were breaking, you know, so they, they were trying to keep it quiet. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's let's read ten and eleven. Then Simon Peter. <clears throat> then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then Jesus said unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath, the cup which my Father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Okay. First question. Why did Peter have a sword? Anybody know? Why wouldn't he have a sword? Anybody know that? Okay. First off, Peter was not allowed to have a sword. It was against the law on during this uh, period of time of the Passover. He was not allowed to carry a sword, but he felt justified in the fact that obviously he felt there was some danger or the potential for something to happen. So this would have not been... an just an ordinary thing for Peter to actually have a sword on him. So that, that's a big thing right here, that he actually had the sword, uh, which he was not technically not supposed to have. I think he wanted to protect Christ. Yes, he was absolutely. That's no secret there. Uh, it's no secret that that Peter was willing to go, quote unquote, you know, that extra mile to protect Christ. I mean, uh, just from all the past and all of what we know about Peter. Jesus had wanted them to have swords, or at least a few of them. Yes. Right? So. Yes. Yes, they had at least two. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, it said, you know, it makes me think, back in verse 4, Jesus therefore knowing all things that should come upon them. He, he knew, he could see it, it was playing out just as <coughs> it had to. Mm-hmm. So then uh, Simon Peter, obviously with this, I mean, we're talking like I've, we've already talked about hundreds of soldiers. He draws his sword and cuts this man's ear off. Do you think he meant to cut his ear off? No. He meant to cut his head off. Malchus just obviously kind of, you know, maybe ducked his head, dodged it. But Peter... He meant to cut this man's head off. And if that had happened... 
Yes. Yes. <clears throat> Another thing that I find interesting uh, that was brought up was why do you think we know, and, and I don't know the answer to this, maybe, maybe you can help me out or someone, why do we know so much detail about this one event with Malchus? We know his name. We know his servant. We know who he is a servant of. We know it was a right ear. Why do we know these details? Why were they important? I don't know. And he healed him, definitely. And they saw that. And they saw that, absolutely. That's correct. So um, <clears throat> Peter, who obviously what what Miss Susan talked about, just made a statement about. Uh, it looks like he misunderstood the moment. He didn't understand completely what was going on, and he was ready to fight and to start the revolution to usher in the new kingdom. That's what he thought, you know, they still thought it wasn't, even the apostles thought it was going to be an earthly kingdom. Um, just hours after that, he denied Christ three times. Maybe that could have had some bearing on his denial. I mean, I'm ready to start the revolution. I've cut the guy's ear off, one for his head. Christ does nothing. He puts it back on. I haven't thought about it. You think he... Maybe there was a... I thought this was a start. You know, we're going to sit and then Christ does nothing. He lets himself be arrested. Peter is well aware of the power Christ has. He's seen it. He can steal the soul. You know, he can take do a lot of money. All right. With that thought, let me ask you this. All right. When, when they arrested Christ, they bound him, took him off, what did the others do that were there with him? They scattered. They ran off. With the exception of maybe John. But who come back? They all didn't come back. Peter did. So, you know, part of me thinks that if he did think like, you know, well, this is all bogus or, you know, had that lack of faith, why did he go back? But then why did he, you know, deny him? Three times, so. I think he was the most zealous of them all. I, I do. He, he's, he, he just misunderstood. But he was all in. He was and definite. He was. And he messes us. Fish hunting, you know. Mm hmm. Fish hunting, you the police for nothing. And John helped him get in, on in to get in the park there. Mm hmm. Right. Um, 
Yes. The I forgot now, but I have to remember to look. Yes. So Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple, was known unto the high priest. So they knew one of the high priests. Okay, let's see. And uh, just, I don't know if we went back over this. And John doesn't cover it in his part, but the others do. We all know that Jesus healed the man's ear, you know. Uh, and, you know, we're not going to get into all the gory details about, you know, you know, what happened, like if he... There was that ear hanging or, you know, all that. But all we know is that it's healed, like nothing ever happened. So, and and they all saw it. it you know, especially Malchus, you would have thought. I wish we knew what he did. Yes. Absolutely. All right, does anybody have any questions or comments on what we've covered so far this morning? All right. Well, we'll pick pick back up at chapter I mean verse 12 then next Sunday.